for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. And so now, without further ado, I'd like to call up my pastor and yours, Pastor Greg Hurd. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you ready? Okay. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to turn in our Bibles. I've got several scriptures here. I've got my little thing that I'll, I was going to leave it down there because I'm going to come down. I'll come down there and use it here in a minute. And, uh, but, uh, I want to start with, uh, judges, go back to the old Testament judges. And, uh, what I'm getting by the spirit of the Lord is that there are many people in this building and who are watching and will watch this later that, um, your ministries are in transition and they're not just in transition. They're in what I would call transmogrification. That means that they're becoming something different than what they were in previous seasons. Uh, some of us are seeing it due to age, due to physical maturity. We're beginning to see different things, but there are also uh, changes that are happening to some of the young ministers that are entering into new phases and new uh, responsibilities that the Lord has put upon their heart. And I believe that it's a burgeoning time in which the cocoon of prayer is going to start being cracked open. And you're going to begin to see uh, the things that you have long desired to see. And uh, I just strongly believe that right now in the house. And so I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about a process that the Lord has uh, revealed in my life. And, um, and that's, that's what I want to do tonight. That's what I believe the Spirit of the Lord wants to do tonight. I've got a lot of scriptures up here. I've got a lot of stuff. We're just going to go by what the Spirit of the Lord says. That's what arise is about. Amen? Go by what the Spirit of the Lord says. And so in Judges chapter 1 and verse number, uh, let me see here, verse number 19, it says, And the Lord was with Judah... And he took possession of the hill country, because that's what Judah was given, was the hill country. But notice it says this. But he could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because, there's always a reason. Because they had chariots of iron. Because they had chariots of iron. Did you know that in taking land in your personal life, in your personal ministry, in your business, there's always going to be a chariot that's going to try to impede you taking your full inheritance. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus has already annihilated all of the enemies of heaven and all the enemies of your ministry and of your life. We just have to have the courage to stand in what he has already done. See, we need to understand that we're not on the battlefield with our swords drawn. We're in a battlefield with the carcasses of the enemy around us. And we're picking through the spoil. See, we've got to see ourselves in the elevated position that Jesus has put us in. And uh, many times we will wear ourselves out. And the enemy is wearing out the saints today by, you know, inadequate and... Um, 
you know, uh, just misinformed spiritual warfare. Hello. See, we can wear ourselves out shouting at the devil, you know, like Motley Crue. We can shout at the devil, all right? <laughs> or we can stand in what Jesus has done. And we can stand in what he did and declare what he did. And that is effective. And sometimes that can be done in just simple standing, just simple repose, simple resting. Amen. Amen. So what I want you to understand here tonight, that each and every one of you, you know, we see the story of Jesus. We see the story of Moses. We see the story of Joseph and all of these great patriarchs and matriarchs, their lives were always conspired against. Did you know that? There was always something that was trying to impede them. There was always something that was trying to kill them. Amen. And we look at them and we think about, you know, them and how that they're the special ones, so to speak. But you need to understand also that you have been conspired against, that an entire kingdom has been mobilized to keep you from becoming what God made you from manifesting in the earth. And he goes to great lengths to keep you hidden and to keep you from burgeoning and coming forth in the power and in the spirit of the Lord. He wants to keep you in bondage and he'll put chariots to keep you from going to places that you are called to go into. Amen? Amen? Well, I'm going to show you, okay? So let's go to Psalm 139. You look puzzled by that. You mean me? Absolutely I mean you. Absolutely. Every child that is born has a gift from God that needs to be brought forth in this earth. And I don't care what kind of mess you've made your life. God has something great on the inside of you that he wants to bring forth in Christ Jesus. You've got a piece of the master on the inside of you. And he wants to bring that forth in this generation, right now, not in the sweet by and by. It's not going to do any good in heaven. It's meant to come forth right now. So in Psalm 139, let's look at it here. I've got it, oh, the scriptures on my... Hallelujah. Are you all right if I take my time? Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Notice what David said. He says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Who knitted him together? God did. God knitted him together. Who's the creator? God is. Amen. He says, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. I'm reading from the SV, the unformed substance. What is the unformed substance? That is the gifts and designs of God. That's the DNA of heaven that has been put in every person that is born on planet earth. Amen. 
Jesus wants to activate that in your life. You have giftings. You have callings. You've got destiny on the inside of you. Eternity is in your heart, but it has to be realized, actualized, and released in the earth. Come on now. Are you with me? Maybe I need to get David up here. Amen. But there's unformed substance on the inside of you that God put before you were even thought of. You are an expression of God in the earth. Every imager of God that comes through the womb or passes through the water of, 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 of life and comes into and breathes this air, God packaged them with potency and power and ability and wisdom and everything that they would need to achieve God-given objectives. Not our objectives, but God-given objectives. Amen? He says, in your book were written, notice this, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. David is not just waxing poetically here. He is speaking from revelation and fact that there's a book already written about Daniel Greenwood that God has orchestrated and written because he declares the end from the beginning. He has already formulated the times and seasons, the connections, everything about your life. He has written down, praise the Lord, and he has given you angelic help from the sanctuary that knows that book, that understands the chapters that you're in and is there to assist and help those who are heirs of salvation. But guess who also knows about that book? There's a whole kingdom, a whole kingdom that is Concerned about little old you. And he doesn't want you to fulfill the chapters written in that book. So he gives an alternative reality to where you begin to function in a way that you were never designed to function and you can be successful at the wrong things. Failure is being successful at the wrong stuff. Amen? Hallelujah. Notice, let's drop down to verse number 23. I believe they messed up on my scriptures here. Let me find it here. 139, verse number 23. Well, let's start with verse number 22, 21, all right? I'll get it together here in a minute, I promise. He says, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred 
I count them my enemies. That's pretty strong. That's called an imprecatory psalm. There's not a lot, a whole lot of imprecatory praying in the New Testament. Amen. We've got the Old Testament here. He's casting down curses upon his enemies. But whether you realize whether he has the right to say it or not, it's in the Scripture. And so he is talking about his enemies. He says, I hate the enemies of you. I hate them, as the King James says, with perfect hatred. Okay? Now notice that. But look at the next verse. He says this, search me, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. What is the psalmist saying? You know, we're always going to face the Judases. We're always going to face the ones that want to impede our process. We're always going to face the chariots. We're always going to face some giant that's going to try to keep us from moving forward. We're always going to have that gossip. We're always going to have the person that slanders us. We're always going to have that person that's trying to keep, uh, keep things from us. There's going to be opposition in this life on the outside. But the psalmist declares to us that it's the enemies on the inside. It's the enemies on the inside. He says, search my heart, O Lord. See if there's anything in me. You see what I'm saying? We're all going to face problems. There's going to be someone that's going to get up in your Kool-Aid. It's going to get up in your grill. It's going to get up in your ear. It's going to wag their tongue. It's going to continue to oppose you and even impede you in what you're trying to do. But the real enemy, there's nothing on the outside that can stop a believer in Christ Jesus. There's no devil that can stop you. There's no demon that can stop you. There's nothing that can come against the child child of God, but there are things on the inside. Okay? So what I want to talk to you about is something as we are transmogrificating, as we're beginning to transform and change into something completely different, and there are pastors here that have pastored for years, and they've gotten new opportunities, and they realize... They can't do what they did in 1990. Come on, somebody say amen. In 2023 coming up. They've got to learn some stuff. They've got to grow into what God has for them. They've got to enlarge their capacity and become different. They've got to learn to lead different, learn to act different, learn to talk different. They've got to wrestle with God till they get a hip at a joint and a brand new name. But here's the great news about it. You can do it because you've got the greater one on the inside of you. I've told people this. In the 15 years that I have been the pastor of this house, I have had to go through a transformation at least five times where I had to change my suit of clothes. I couldn't lead the way. I hit the wall. Anybody ever hit the wall? 
It's no fun hitting a wall. When you know it's over, when you know that season is over, when you know you don't have what it takes to go to the next side, other side, when you realize, here, here, see, I'm talking to leaders here because everybody's a leader here. When you get to the point that your personal habits will not take you to the next level, as good as they may be and as wonderful as they and devoted as they may be, you just know that your current system, your current, you know, devotion to the Lord isn't going to get you to that next level. You know that you've reached the end of something. And that's where God wants us. He wants us in the place of total, utter dependency on him and abandonment of anything that we have ever relied on. It's time for us to to hang on and allow God to move us in ways that we thought we would never operate in. Amen? Amen? There's apostles that are going to be functioning as prophets. And there's prophets that are going to be functioning as evangelists. And there, there's evangelists that are going to function as pastors. And, and there's teachers that are going to function as other aspects of the ministry. And you're going to begin to see total changes and the total new draw. I'm speaking by the Spirit of the Lord. A total new draw. Because what God is going to transform you into is going to draw an entirely new group of people. But you've got to understand this, that the enemy knows what God is trying to do in your life. He doesn't know everything about it, but he's got intelligence. And he can see what God is doing in your life. And so he sets out to build what is known as the fifth column. The fifth column is very important for you to understand. It was taken, it's a phrase that was taken out of the, um, the Spanish Civil War. And basically a general, his name was Montoya, came up with the phrase, and they were about to oversee or take over a city in Spain and uh, the, the general was talking strategy with his men. And he says, I have a column to the east. I have a column to the west. I have a column to the north. And I got a column to the south. And you know what? That looks good on paper. When the enemy has surrounding, he says, but it will be the fifth column that I'm relying on to break the city down. And they asked, they said, what is the fifth column? They said, it is my people on the inside. It's what I got going on on the inside. Because the pressure on the outside is meant to trigger what's on the inside. See, that pressure and, and that pain in your body and those symptoms in your body and that problem with that relationship is meant to trigger something internal on the inside of you, something that has been proactively planned and put within you, words that trigger, images that motivate, and the enemy wants to continue to flood you with all of these things. 
doubts and all of these fears and all of this, I can't do this and all I can't do that. And we don't think about it until pressure comes into our life. And when pressure comes, all of a sudden our blood pressure rises. All of a sudden our body chemistry changes. All of a sudden our mental capacity gets insane and we're not thinking rationally anymore. And it's because of the fifth column. I'm here to tell you, your greatest enemy is not the devil. Your greatest enemy is your carnal mind. Amen? I like what Jesus said. Let's look over it. Uh, I believe it's uh, the Gospel of John. Hallelujah. Is this speaking to anybody? Hallelujah. The Gospel of John. I may have it on my... Let's find it here. Hallelujah. I love what Jesus says here. John 14, 30. He says, I'll no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world or this cosmos or this age is coming. This is the time of his passion. And he says this, he has no claim on me. I like what the King James says. The, the, the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. See, the, the, the enemy is setting things on the inside of you to manipulate you. And I sensed by the Spirit of the Lord today as I began to pray and reflect on various ministries, even, you know, ministries that, that, that we personally have, that we're, you know, one revelation away from stepping into something we never thought possible. But the door isn't a demon or a, a giant or a circumstance. The door is here. We can't see it because we're being manipulated into thinking and believing the devil's limitations and his chariots that are stationed in the plane. There are buildings that want and desire to be built. There are ministries that are, God has already said before the foundation of the world, this is what I want and desire. It's just simply going to take a person that will step up, take care of that fifth column, get it out of their life to where they can't be manipulated by money, they can't be manipulated by people, they can't be manipulated by the enemy, they just simply walk in the integrity of the Spirit of the Lord and they can't be fooled, they can't be deceived, they don't believe everything they hear, they just believe what the Spirit of the Lord says. See, the enemy puts that fifth column inside. And I'm just going to bear my heart and my soul. You know, 
when it came to transformation, there was just certain aspects of my leadership where I couldn't get over the hump. I just could not. I wondered why we were only a certain size, you know. And, and you know, I was really mixed up early on in com- competition and comparison ministry. That was a big deal in the 2000s. It's a big deal. The minute the purpose-driven church came on the scene, come on now. Some of you pastors know what I'm talking about. We started comparing and competing. There was no unity in our cities because we were all trying to get the same fish out of the same small pond. And we were guarding the fishbowl. Hello. Well, I had this event, and it brought in 2,000 people. Well, where are they? Where were they Sunday? Come on. Well, I baptized this. See, you get all wrapped up in that, or I've got this, and I've got that. And you're just constantly just, just motivated, not by desire and, and wanting to serve the Lord, but you're, you're, you're competing with someone. And boy, I was in that bad. And you know, we did real good for the first five years. First five years, we grew high to the right. And then we hit 2013. (sighs) I would actually pay for shock therapy to not remember 2013. (laughs) Hello. It was rough. It was rough. But as I began to uh, investigate, see, it's good to investigate. See, just like the psalmist said, Lord, is there anything in me? And of course there was. And I certainly didn't know it. The Lord had to reveal it to me. Because you just, you'll just simply operate the way you operate. Until you have revelation, you, you don't have any idea. That's the reason why you have to... Be in tune with the Holy Spirit. You have to be prayerful. You have to be in the Word. And you've got to have good people in your life. Amen? People that can tell you the truth. And, uh, man, I didn't have anybody at the time. And, and I had gotten in a, in a fuss with a pastor of a church. And, I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous how driven I was about being right about something. And proving that they were wrong. Come on now, how many? And I was just, I was ringy. I was just absolutely torn up. And right out here in this little area that you came in, we didn't have this building. We didn't have the little overhang at all. It was just out in the wide open. I called a good friend of mine, and I just, the minute he said hello, I broke down. And I was, I, it wasn't, it was the ugly cry. It was, it was, it wasn't, oh, it was, it's like Anchorman in the phone booth cry. It was, it was bad. It was bad. I was embarrassed. I lost my man card that day because I was bellering like a calf 
And it was just horrible what was coming out. It was just regurgitating all of this fear, all of this insecurity, all of these limitations. That fifth column was being exposed. And it wasn't pleasant. And it's amazing when you get to those places because I'm not going to tell you to go searching. See, there are people say, go search and look in your past. No, 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 no. You don't need to dig any of that up. Well, I need to find where it's at. You know, I need to look back at my childhood. No, no, no. Don't do that. The Holy Spirit leads and guides us into all truth, and he is only capable of going into our past as he wills to share simple things that enable us to get revelation, to step out and to step into new territory. Boy, there was something that was hindering me, man. My insecurity was just all over the place. And I wondered why I was dealing with feelings of rejection. Why was I constantly feeling that I had to prove something? I just had to prove something. I had to prove to that church that I left they were wrong about me. I saw myself shaking my fist at that church. You were wrong about me. Look at me now. Come on now. People that turned their back on me. People that spoke evil against me. People that put their little nose up in the air at Walmart in the, you know, in the, in the cold section. Pastors that turned their back on me and wouldn't talk to me anymore and wouldn't have anything to do with me. I felt I have to prove something. And that was fueled by something even deeper. Because I had lost my dad at eight years old. My dad walked out of my life. And by virtue of a situation, he was gone. Now, God brought a wonderful replacement who I call my dad. But guess what? I wasn't his blood. I wasn't, you know, his blood son, although he is my dad. And I will claim him until throughout all eternity. He's the best man I could possibly have for a dad. But there was problems with connection. And as much as his family loved me, I was never truly felt like a grandson. I never truly felt like a a nephew. I never really felt like I was part, even though he adopted me and gave me his last name, which is a great sign. I got picked, amen? You know, you sorry guys got born into your family. I got picked. I got picked. But still, it wasn't enough. The fifth column was filled with rejection. You've got to prove yourself. You're not worth it. People have told you you're not worth it. Your dad walked out on you. You must not be who you think you are because if you were something, he would have stayed. He would have stayed connected. He would have stayed with you. And you would have connected with your other. And then when I got a spiritual mentor who I love with all my heart, who is my father in the faith, David Emi, there were times and seasons in our relationship in which I couldn't connect with him. 
And we ended off on a bad note when I left. And it broke my heart and it broke his heart. But for some reason, there was something on the inside of me that was hindering my ability to absorb and experience and enjoy the relationships in my life. And it came into when I began to pastor the church, when I began to lead the church in there, those began to be the roadblocks that kept me from going over to the other side. That fifth column came up every single time time, every time that God would ordain a relationship for me to step into, there was some sabotage that would happen and it was instigated by me. I'd hear these words. You don't deserve that. They don't love you. They just want what you got. They're going to turn their back on you. Hello. How many pastors like this when you get these kind of calls during the day? Hey, pastor, can we have lunch? <laughs> you know what I think when, that, when you tell me that? I think you're going to tell me you're going to leave. That's exactly what I think. I'm sorry to confess to you secret confessions. <laughs> Let's just put the little thing up there. It's been one week since my last confession. <laughs> Hello. You can't thoroughly enjoy relationships. And, you know, you can sit there and blame the people all you want. I know a lot of pastors that blame people, and you should never blame people. And never blame them at all. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood anyway. You can blame them all you want to. You know where the problem was? It is in me. Why do I have something on the inside of me that thinks that everything's on the negative? Why do I not believe that they might want to call me to give me some money? Why can't I believe that? Why can't I? Be Come on now. I mean, seriously, why can't I believe that they, they've got something good to say about something? What's the problem with that? Well, because experience has continued to build the fifth column. And what happens is, is you begin to get callous. You begin to get hard. And you can't empathize and feel people's pain. And you can't understand where they're coming from. And you certainly can't show Jesus because you're too guarded. So you live a life of fabrication and putting on a mask and trying to be the big guy and trying to act like it don't bother you when they tell you that they're not coming anymore, when they tell you that they're going somewhere else. And it, you, you begin to put on the brave face and say, well, we'll pray for you. And you just want to go. 
excuse me, Pastor, your, your hand is around my neck. Why? <laughs> you you want to lay hands suddenly and forget to pray because it's usually the people that you've given the most to. It's usually the people that you've been on the line with. And that's the reason why the competitive and comparative church, Inc., our big top church that we have today, is so appealing because it doesn't ask you to get involved in anybody's life. It just gets you in goods and services. You just do goods and services. And if they leave, they just leave. It's okay. Bye-bye. Because there's more people coming in because I'm going to do this, X, Y, and Z, and they're going to fill it up, but yet they don't grow, yet they don't get. I hope I'm making sense. See, I would rather build a church. You see, Jesus didn't care when, when people left him because he didn't become a bread king. When they wanted to make him a king, he, he didn't want anything to do with that. Didn't want anything to do with that. That's some people, they want you to do, as a leader, they want you to do certain things and be a certain way. And when you say no, they say, well, we're done with you. You know, we're not going to do it. And Jesus turned to the most intimate people in his life up to that point, And he says, you want to go too? See, the, the prince of this world is coming for me, but he don't have anything in me. Amen? He don't have anything in me. So therefore, what people do is not going to necessarily manipulate me in a way that's going to keep me from doing what God's called me to do. And, you know, I've been manipulated. How many of you, you know, let's just, just have a, a, an AA meeting for... <laughs> My name's Greg... I'm a Taurus, <laughs> and I've been manipulated, and I have manipulated. Hello. It's been a month since my last manipulation. I'm standing strong. Pray for me. Come on now. It's just the truth. Just let that soak in. The reason why that's important is because the age and the culture that we're in and where we're headed in these end times, we better be on our guard. We can't do it like we used to do it. We have to be ever more vigilant and be wise as serpents. That means in order to pastor successfully in this age, now don't get me wrong here, please do not, do not think. You've got to think like the devil. Now you may not understand that statement. I'm not saying act like the devil. But you're going to have to learn to think like the devil. That's exactly what Jesus was saying when he said, be wise as a serpent. 
He's saying you need to act. You need not act, but you need to you need to understand how the enemy works. You need to grow in your ability to discern his methods and his modes and what he does. And you've got to stop not thinking like those you're trying to reach. You've got to think like them. You can't think like, oh my goodness, you know, God forbid, you know, and not wanting to step in and step out into new things. You've got to be able to, to discern what the Spirit of the Lord is saying and understand that we're in the world, we're not of the world, but we're in it. And we're called to impede the slide and to save people from eternity in hell. Amen? So I had all this rejection just regurgitating out of me. And I'm sitting there blubbering. And uh, I thought all was lost because I thought I was having a complete, and I probably was having a complete, utter nervous breakdown. Because I was driven more by success in the world than I was success in God. And I wasn't so much, like I said, we're making the confession here. I wasn't so concerned about whether God liked my church or not. I was concerned whether you liked it or not. Hello. See, that whole movement over the last 20 years is basically taking a survey card and giving it to the world and saying, what, what would you want us to do? Can we change your oil while you're having a service here? You know, can we do something? We'll give you a free turkey if you show up every time, you know. And boy, the world filled them things out. They filled them out, man. There was no shortage of what they wanted. But one thing they didn't want is heart transformation. They didn't want discipleship. They'd show up. Might even raise their hands a little bit and throw a dollar in the till. But they didn't want life transformation. They wanted the next event. They wanted the next big thing. They wanted the lights. They wanted the strobes. They wanted all of the different things. But yet they didn't want to buy in. They didn't want to step in and do something. Come on now. I'm here to tell you, my friends, that these things affect where you're at. And there are limitations that you put on yourself based upon that fifth column. You begin to say, well, we don't have the money for that. I don't know. We've never had giving like that. So I don't project that in the next two years. That, that's, your, that's the fifth column talking. When you got them... You've got espionage going on in your own heart. And they're starting to tell you what you can do and what you can't do. And you're believing them and you think that that's you talking. That's your fifth column. You see, our nation is being destroyed by the fifth column. 
Our nation right now, the whole world is being destroyed by the fifth column. It's not being destroyed by on the outside. Abraham Lincoln said this nation would never be destroyed by anything on the outside. It would be destroyed by those that rise up on the inside. And I'm here to tell you, if it's that way in the macro, it's that way in the micro. And you've got to learn to disengage from the self-talk that is talking you out of taking big steps and stepping out into things that you are afraid of. There are people that are not going forward just simply because they feel insecure on the inside. What if I fail? What if my people see that I couldn't make it happen? Are they going to walk out? Are they not going to go with me any longer? Guess what? That's a possibility, but you should never be motivated by that. And I just sense so strongly, I sense this by the Spirit of the Lord, that many of the plans, pastor and pastor, are too small. They're just too small. They're not big enough. We're kind of going by what we feel we can do. Isn't it amazing? We serve this giant God, this way maker, this miracle working God. Because I've done it too. And I sit there, well, we'll just do what we can do. And God wants to do something that is going to say, it's all God, no no other glory can be made. Listen, if you can do it with your credit line, if you can do it with your own means, God doesn't get the glory out of it. But he'll sit here and tell you, oh, you can't do that. You think you can, but you can't do that. You, You can't make it. No, you know what? Your dad, he left you. I, di- I didn't realize that I had a problem with my dad leaving me. I didn't have, you know, because I had a good step. step I call, saying the word stepdad is anathema to me. I, he was not a stepdad. He was my dad. He came into my life and he raised me. But then when I was 30 years old, 30 years old in the ministry, the family of my paternal father contacts me. And then all of a sudden, the fifth column shows up. And chaos ensues in my life. All of the fears, all of the rejection, all of the stuff started coming up. And I mean, I'm telling you what, it was like I was four different people. I turned into Sybil overnight. I had multiple personalities. I was not regulated in my mind because of what was on the inside that the enemy had planted day in, day out, methodically. He plays chess while we're still playing checkers. 
And I tell you what, it brought such confusion in my family, such confusion in my heart. It awakened things that were dormant that I didn't even know were there. I thought I was a pretty good new creation. I thought, you know, the old things have passed away, and behold, everything had become brand new. I thought, man, I got this made in the shade. This is going to be good. And then all of a sudden, the turmoil and the anguish and the pain from something that I was not able to process at eight years old all of a sudden was fully realized and mature on the inside of me. And now it was telling me every flaw, every mistake, everything. And I had to make a decision. You've got to take the sword of the Spirit and cut those tentacles off of your life and realize that Jesus has given you a brand new life. That you don't need to be fearful anymore. You don't need to be filled with fear and insecurity. It's time to take care of the fifth column. It's time to get it out of our life. It's time to reject its thoughts, to reject its words, to reject its images, to reject its movies, to reject its memories, and begin to stand in the wealth of Jesus and what he has done for you. Replace it with what Christ has done. Amen? Am I making sense? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My pastor said this. He said, God wants to take you to the other side, but you can't go there the way you are. There's baggage. There's stuff that you are holding on to. You don't. It's keeping you from stepping over. It's keeping you from taking that journey. And you know it's not Biden's economy that's keeping you from building. It's this. It's not $5 gas that's keeping you from expanding your ministry or your business. It's what's on the inside of you. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You're one mind renewal cycle away from total breakthrough in an area that you have seen no movement. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. I'm here to tell you I had to I had to change everything guys I had to change everything I couldn't no longer be a victim I had to take responsibility for my thought life I'm giving you the keys how to break out of you got to take it you got to take your thoughts captive you got to put them under the microscope of the word and say why am I thinking this thought here have you ever went to the place of prayer and said, why can't I just be who I know I am? 
Because there's something on the inside of me that just wants to jump and flail and run around and worship the Lord with abandonment. But there's something that's restricting me. There's something in the plane. There's some kind of chariot in the plane that's causing me to restrict myself and to confine myself into a, what I'm comfortable with. And in my leadership as well. Why can't I be the leader that I desire to be? Why can't I be the pastor that I want to be? I know I could do this. I know I see myself doing it on the inside of me all the time. But you know what? When I get there, I fumble it up. Why is that? It's because of the imagery and the words and the thoughts and the imaginings of my heart that have been sown by the wicked one and the experiences of wicked people that are keeping me fortified, keeping me secure, and becoming a prison to where I cannot escape. A lot of people are in bondage to offense. They're in bondage to unforgiveness. They're in bondage to a relationship that went wrong, that went bad. Maybe they got Judas French kissed too many times. Hello. Hello. Maybe they got left. Your comfort zone is created by you. Hello, many of us are going to leave here just a few moments, and we're going to go to bed. And that bed's going to have our favorite pillow. It's going to have our favorite comforter. It's going to have everything to make our little stay as comfortable as possible. We do the same thing intellectually. We do it in our minds. We're comfortable with what we're in. It's time to get raw. It's time to get ragged. It's time to get lean. It's time to get mean. It's time to stand. It's time to say. It's time to shout. It's time to move. They're telling you that the election is going to change everything. Have you ever known an election to change anything? But I'm here to tell you Jesus is still on the throne and the kingdom is still going. Amen. And his, his agenda is still in motion. And we, you and I, can operate in that 24-7, irrespective of what's going on in the world. We can thrive, not just survive. We can thrive, but it's going to require a mindset that is ready to risk it all for Jesus Christ and the lost people of the world. It's going to require us to abandon our insecurities and our comfort zones and step into new places and step into places that are uncomfortable, that are raw, that are that cause us to get rash and red. Time to stretch ourselves. If there's any time to stretch. And listen, there are people that tell you, no, 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 no. Sit back. We got to wait this out. It's not going to get any better. 
The circumstances of the world are not. That's, that's what the book says here. The book doesn't tell us it's going to get better. It tells us it's going to get worse. But arise and shine, for your light has come. We've got to take care of our thought life. And we've got to break the soul ties we have with our own securing and our own comfort. There are relationships that need to go bye-bye. There are things that you're fellowshipping with in media that you don't need to be fellowshipping with. There are preachers you don't need to be listening to anymore. Hello. I hope you hear my heart. A little different than the nights before it. But I'm trying to tell you that you can do it. You can rise up and own your own business. You can rise up and be who God has called you to be. You can do the book. Because you've got a book that has everything that God has ordained for your life. And you've got heaven backing that book. You're not to pray and find out, oh, I can be anything. No, that's Disney Jesus. Disney Jesus says you can be anybody you want to be. You can only be what God created you to be. Amen? We need to stop giving place to the devil. You know, we talk about, you know, they're talking about the metaverse. And that's a whole other sermon in itself. But you got to understand that they're buying real estate in a digital world. The enemy does the same thing with your mind. He seeks to buy and barter for real estate. That's the reason why four, Ephesians 4.23 says, Give no opportunity to the devil. The actual word for opportunity or place is topography. Don't give real estate to the devil. But yet we are absorbing things that are robbing our lives and filling us with fear, filling us with anxiety, filling us with all kinds of insecurities. And we wonder why when Goliath talks, we're in the tent with Saul rather than facing him with five smooth stones. It's time for us to get raw and realize that we can't do it. I can't lead Lake Church the way I did even three years ago. We built this building five years ago. This is our fifth anniversary. Kevin was here, amen, preached in that time. Praise the Lord. And it was wonderful, and it was glorious, but then you hit the wall. How many pastors know what I'm talking about? You hit the wall, and you know that you can't go in the way you are. And it's like there's a hallway, friends, 
of doorways, and each doorway is smaller than the one before. And so to get to where I want to go means I got to get rid of stuff just to be able to get in to the next corridor that God has for me. And it's time for us to stop getting fat and sassy and let's start getting lean and mean. And what I'm talking about, I don't care what you look like on the outside. The inward man needs to be lean and mean and not filled with the distractions of this age, not filled with the junk in our minds that is causing us to make decisions contrary to the plan of God for our lives. We need to reach out. And when we see that land, we know it. And we know that the resources are there. When we see that building, praise God, we know we can take it. When we see that remodel, we know we can expand. We know we can make it because we've got the message that changes the world. We've got the thing that everybody wants and desires. They just don't know it yet. And praise God, as it gets darker, we're going to need to build. We're going to need to expand. We don't need to hide in our homes. We don't need to build bunkers. We just need to expand and be the bride of Christ for the end times. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I just hear this in my spirit. And they limited the Holy One of Israel. Why did they limit? Because there were chariots in the valley. There were chariots in the plain. They didn't want to face those. We're okay with the mountains. We're all right. The enemy will let you have a little peace. He'll have a little peace. Just be happy there. No, it's time to step out. It's time to hear those chariot wheels and say, come on. Give me your worst because I've got the Lord. He said, you come at me with a chariot and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. Amen? We have what it takes to expand and grow and move forward. We just need to stop. Just, just by the Spirit of the Lord, there have been distractions, distractions that have come against ministries in this house. They've been family distractions. They've been financial distractions. They've been vision distractions. But if we'll put our eyes where it needs to be on the Lord, the transformation process will change us from glory to glory. Right now, you're where you're at because of what you're looking at. And if you're looking at the bank account that says there's no money for this, or you're looking at the attendance in your church that says we're not at that spot yet and not looking to the Lord you're going to find yourself discouraged and in despair and in the trap of the enemy. And you're never going to take ground. But if you'll keep your eye on the Lord, opportunities are here to be seized. Yeah. 
They're here to be seized right now. Amen? Hallelujah. This, this, place, needs, this place needs a new house right over here. Amen? We need a new house. Amen? Praise God. I'm agreeing with them. They're going to have a new house. Praise the Lord. Amen? Glory to God. It's for the taking. Amen? I just see a big building over the top of these people right now. I just see a big building right now over the top. I just see it hovering over this group over here, stronghold group. And you just got to reach out and grab it. You just got to reach out and grab it. You got to say, it's mine. It's mine by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. I just see expansion in Wichita. Hallelujah. I see expansion in Wichita. I see expansion greater than what you're planning. Greater than what you're planning. And I don't mean to be, you know, critical or anything of that nature at all. I've been there. I've looked at it and said, you know what, we can do this and we can do that, and that's what I'm comfortable with. And it's never, ever worked. It's never, ever worked. We've always had to spend a lot more money than we thought we'd have to spend. But guess what? The Lord was there every single time. Amen? Amen? And I just firmly believe, as we were praying last night, I saw buildings coming out of your mouth. I saw land coming forth. I saw multiple pieces of land, not just one piece. In many places of the world, it's in there. It's in there. It's in there. I see expansion. 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 Praise the Lord. And I just see burgeoning ministry, Pastor John, burgeoning, just growing and expanding. You are at the right place at the right time, and you're the right people for the right moment in history. And it's going to revolutionize the area. I just see so much that God is doing in the hearts of people. God wants to expand us. He wants us to come forth. But we've got to enlarge our capacity in our minds. If we do what we've always done, we're going to have what we always have. It's time to move. Amen? Hallelujah. If we could just have a little bit of worship. And, uh, we're, you know, I'm not going to have a... Listen, Kevin's going to be here tomorrow night and... We might have to lift you up and stack you like cordwood. <laughs> but tonight, we're going to sanctify ourselves and say, Lord, we're, we're going to answer the call. Amen? There are business owners that need to answer the call right now. God has good things in store for you. There's people that are wanting and desiring ministry, wanting to desire. You know, you got prayed for last night and set apart. It's just time to make that consecrated decision. I'm going to do what it's take. You know, it's one thing to be called into something. It's the next thing to answer it. It's the next thing to start the process. Well, I, I don't need you to come up here and do it. You're right, right where you're at. You can say, you know what? I'm making a decision. I'm going to do what it takes. 
to get where God wants me. And I'm not going to allow that fifth column to dictate to me anymore. There's people with sickness in their body. And that fifth column says, well, mama always had that. Mama was always sick. You've got it. It's hereditary. It's, it's something that, that's uh, generational. You just need to just go ahead and just be happy with that and be, you know, see if you can live a little bit longer than mama did. How many have these things talking to you? Am I the only one that has this stupid stuff going on in my life? I mean, my goodness gracious, we act like... The problem is, is we're not, you know, we need to stop listening to ourselves and start talking to ourselves. No, you're not going to talk to me like that. No, you're not going to lie to me like that. No, I'm not going to receive that. That's not mine. That's not mine. Jesus took my infirmity. He bore my sickness. You not have no place in me. I ain't going to listen to you. Oh, you're full of baloney. You think you're going to pass that stuff on me? I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. We can do it. He's going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. It doesn't have anything to do with what I do. I just simply believe what he did. Come on now, stand to your feet. Come on, get aggressive. Get aggressive. There's thoughts that are attacking you, attacked you today. You need to just say, no, I'm not going to listen to that. You know, just like a friend that comes around and gossips and slanders and stuff like that, you got to talk to yourself sometimes like that. You got to say, no, I ain't going to listen to that. That's gossip. That right. There's sometimes the enemy will come in and say, you know what David's doing? You know what he's doing? And you have to stop yourself and you have to say, no, that's not right. David wouldn't do that. David's a man of God. You got to talk to yourself. Now, not in the middle of Walmart. But man, in the times of your life when you're driving down the road and he's just taking those and throwing those accusations one after the other, you're a failure, you're not going to make it, people are going to leave your church because you can't lead them, you can't take them where they need to go, you don't have the ability, you need to say, no! Hello? Somebody's hearing stuff. Your wife's interested in someone else. Your wife is looking at somebody else. Your wife's attracted to somebody else. You need to say, you know what? I don't believe you. I'm not going to believe you. I cast you from me. You are not going to have fellowship on that. I'm not going to entertain your thoughts. I'm not going to entertain your words. We're going to cut them at the quick. We're not going to receive them. They are not ours to have. Now, that's how you take care of business. In Jesus' name, amen? Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you. We take full responsibility for our mental health right now in the name of Jesus. We speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our heart to the Lord. And we will not receive the evil report of the enemy. We will not receive his bad tidings. But we cut every soul tie. We cut every accusation. We cut every lie. 
and every accusation right now in the name of Jesus. We cut it off our lives right now in the name of Jesus and we rise up, rise up in the power of the Spirit and the power of God and we put our enemy on the run in the name of Jesus. He has to scatter from you seven ways, seven ways. When the Lord raises up, he scatters seven ways. Hallelujah. We're not going to listen to your junk. We're not going to listen to your lies. You're not going to take this nation down. You're not going to take these people down. You're not going to take the church down. If you could have done it, you'd already done it. You're a liar and the father of lies, and we don't believe you. We don't believe the symptoms in our body. We don't believe the doctor's evil report. We don't believe in the uh, situation that's going on with our finances. We choose to believe you. We choose to believe that you are abundantly providing right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm hearing this in my spirit. You're not stupid. You're not dumb. You're not ignorant. You've got the mind of Christ. You've got the intelligence of God. You've got the word of God. You don't need to talk yourself out of something that you want to do because you feel that you're inadequate. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we break the power off of those lies right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Feelings of insecurity, feelings of rejection. Go now in the name of Jesus. We disassociate ourselves from these feelings of rejection in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. It's not what mama said, it's what Jesus says. It's not what daddy stated, it's what the father says. It's not what your boss told you or your ex-wife said. It's not what your ex-husband told you, it's what Jesus said. It's what the word of God says. Your identity is in him. It's not in being a divorcee. It's not in being someone that has been abandoned. It's not in someone that's been adopted. It's in new creation reality in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away and behold, everything has become brand new. Come on, somebody. Stir yourself up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. You're not a loser. I hear that in my spirit right now. You're not a loser. I don't care what they said in high school. I don't care what they've said in your life. You're not a loser. Hello. Praise God you've got Christ. You're a winner. Hallelujah. You'd be surprised at the stuff that goes on in your head. I mean, it's the silliest stuff in the world. It's absolutely silly. If you told it to someone, you'd be embarrassed. Oh my gosh. You'd blush. Because it's so big in here.
But once you start talking to that, once you start putting the word on that, man, it just shrinks and shrinks, and it just seems so insignificant, so powerless. All he's got is lies, people. All he's got is lies. Amen? Praise the Lord. Did you get anything out of that tonight? Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Glory to God. There's a lot to be said, but I believe the Spirit of the Lord said what was needed to be said. Amen? And I just encourage you to make this a place of prayer. Attack this. You need to start asking yourself, what is limiting you in me? Because I know, listen, oh, I wish I could get a hold of your cheeks and just tell this to you. God wants to express himself through your life. And we determine the level of funnel. And it's time to just broaden that thing and say, you know what? I want you to pour through me. I just want to reckless abandon. I'm going to open myself up. I'm going to get rid of my inhibitions. I'm going to get rid of my insecurities. I'm going to get rid of it, and I'm just going to let you do what you do and be who you are, and I'm going to stop regulating you. Hallelujah. Kevin, there's more. There's more than what you've presently experienced. There's a larger capacity. I just sense the Lord just wanting you and both of you just to enlarge and just let the Lord just begin to. There's, there's, there were restrictions, but those restrictions are gone. They're gone. They're gone. And it's just going to be different. There's going to be a difference. And I, I know I've got a lot of gray-haired pastors in here. But I'm telling you what, it's going to be like we're brand new people. We might get out the skinny jeans. Amen. There's just going to, I mean, listen, I believe we're, hey, we're entering into the season of the sage. Young people are going to be attracted to gray-haired people because of the wisdom of God that's in their life. And I believe that. I believe that. Amen? Glory to God. I could go on and on. Amen? Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord is here talking to us. Amen? Oh, I hope you walk out of those doors encouraged. I hope you walk out pregnant tonight with possibility. We're going to have to write all new plans. We're going to have to look look a little farther. We're going to have to turn up. We're going to have to make some phone calls we made six months ago. When they told us no, when they told us no way, and all of a sudden the Lord's opened the door. We got to be ready. He isn't just going to fall in our lap. We got to go get it. Amen. Where you've heard no, you're going to hear yes. Where there seemed no opportunity, you're going to see opportunity. 
people are going to operate in divine favor towards you. And they're going to say, you know what? I'd like to work with you. I'd like to help you in this. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Come on now. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, we've got children. And we've got children's workers. And we could go on and on and on. I encourage you, come to a place of prayer. If you want to pray over these things, we've got altars, we've got places, and we've got people that will pray with you if you need them to. But let's go away. You know, we had great times of celebration the last couple of nights. and Praise God for that. But you know, sometimes we need to go away in a more somber tone. That's maturity. Amen? And realize, you know, we got some stuff to think about. We got some stuff to... I got to. Even me, as attractive and sexy as I am, I have got some limitations that I need to get off of me. Amen? I know you thought I had it together, but I don't. Amen? I'm like a three-year-old on a roller coaster. I just, my goodness gracious, I'm scared. But I'm here to tell you, the Lord has always been faithful, and he'll be faithful to you. Oh, he's, he's telling me this, Brent. He's telling me this, Kenny. He's telling me this, David. He's telling me, Pastor John, he's telling me, hallelujah, he's telling this to you. If it don't scare you, it's not me. If you can write out a check right now and make it happen, it's not him. He wants us to be put in the position where only he gets the glory. And people walk by that new building and they walk by that and they say, you know what? God had to do that. God had to do that. Because I know I went to that church. I know exactly what they got going on in there. Hello. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to keep you any longer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It doesn't look like what you think. You're going to have to release the limitations of your mind and understand the full scope of your ministry. What you have tasted and seen is not the full plate. It's not the full platter, but it's been good. But you must expand the territory of your mind to be able to receive the thoughts of God concerning your ministry. And it will begin to show clearer and clearer and clearer. But it's not what you're presently seeing. There's a dynamic to it that you're missing that God's wanting to reveal to you. Does that make sense to you? No, that's kind of vague, but understand, I could, I could say some things, but I'm not going to in front of people. But understand this, that sometimes we have preconceived ideas of what things should look like. And then God comes and just does something totally contrary to where we're at and what we're thinking. And you've got to be open to that possibility. That's all I'm 
God's saying. You got to be open to that possibility. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Well, I'm going to dismiss you in the name of the Lord. Amen. And we look forward to a wonderful time tomorrow with Bob Yandian at 10 and with Kevin Powers tomorrow night. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord.